0: Jamie, Jamie, $1.2 billion from an idea that you sketched out on an airplane coming back from your honeymoon with your husband.
1: Yeah. And an idea that everyone said sucked for them
0: three years after. Okay. Do you guys hear that? Okay. That's the point of the story that gives me chills. She just said for an idea that everybody said sucked for three years and told me, no, 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 no. You should do it like this. You should do it like that. Not like this. And she knew there was a knowing in her. It didn't mean that the nose didn't hurt. It didn't mean that she probably started second guessing once in a while here or there while you're laying in bed, not wanting to get out. So all those emotions still happened, but you still had the knowing and you stuck with it. I'm Amy Porterfield, ex corporate girl turned CEO of a multi million dollar business but it wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the confidence, money, and time to focus on growing my small but mighty business. Fast forward past many failed attempts and lessons learned, and you'll see the business I have today, one that changes lives and gives me more freedom than I ever thought possible, one that used to only exist as a daydream. I created the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur or one in the making who's looking to create a business that makes an impact and helps you create a life you love, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Today, I'm so honored to have my friend join me and bring inspiration and tangible guidance on how to build a successful company from the ground up. Her name is Jamie Kern Lima, and she's the co-founder of It Cosmetics, a billion-dollar makeup company. She has a motivating story and is truly an example of hard work, determination, and persistence. On top of that, she has a heart of gold. Jamie is going to share her journey and how she handled hearing no, no thank you, not at this time, over and over again. Now, the reason I think this topic of being resilient, even when you hear no, is so important right now during COVID-19 is because you might get some resistance right now during a pandemic in different ways than you're used to. So I knew this episode was going to be really relevant to where we are right now. You're probably going to hear people be more hesitant to take the leap and try out your service or try out your product because they're just fearful. And I want you to hear what persistence looks like and what resilience looks like so that you can keep serving those that are fearful, but you're showing up for them in a bigger way because you know they need you. So I hope that this episode is a reminder to believe in yourself no matter what anyone says or does, and remember that there are customers out there who need you right now. So if you do hear no, I want you to get back up, dust yourself off, and keep moving forward. Also, Jamie's going to share some of her top needle movers that she felt really helped her build her billion-dollar business. You're going to get so many ideas and you're definitely going to be inspired in this episode. So get a pen and paper ready. I want you to take some notes. With that, please help me welcome my friend, Jamie. Jamie, thank you so much for coming on the show. You don't even know. I am absolutely thrilled to have you here.
1: Amy, I am so excited. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, I have been a fan for so long, and now I feel very honored to say a new friend as well. And it is really special because... I have wanted my audience to hear directly from you for so long. Now we're making it happen. So if you're okay with it, I want to start at the very beginning. And I want you to tell my audience a little bit about the business that you created and really the story of how it all came about.
1: Sure. Yeah. I'm honored to be here and to share. And um, yeah, I mean, so many... People out there, I'm sure so many women and men in your community are sort of at that spot where either they're about to create a business or they're in the first couple years of it, and uh, it's funny, Amy, because with with my story, it's like a lot of times you you know see the outcome or, or read the headlines, and it seems like oh, it must have been easy, or yeah. she must have got lucky, or <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or, or maybe it's like she comes from that kind of family or money or something, right? And yes. it's like, oh no, none of those <laughs> things. It cosmetics really the whole idea. And um, you know, you and I have talked about calling and when things are like on your heart to do or to show up and serve. The idea for it cosmetics uh, really came out of that. I I never knew I was going to go into the beauty industry and I didn't know anybody in the beauty industry. And I was, I was working as a a journalist, a television news anchor, because I just love other people's stories and telling their stories. And I thought, you know, I was going to do that my whole career. And I started getting hereditary rosacea, which is a skin condition that often makes your cheeks and your face bright red. Um, and kind of creates these patchy areas of skin that feel Mm -hmm. like sandpaper, and there's no cure for it. And so I would be anchoring the news, and I would hear in my earpiece from the producer in the control room, he would say, there's something on your face, there's something on your face, like expecting that I could just fix it (laughs) in the live broadcast. (laughs) oh gosh! And anytime I would glance down, you know, in like a little compact mirror in the commercial break or whatever, I was like, oh, it's It's the rosacea. It's the makeup breaking up and showing it coming through. And it was kind of like, you know, a lot of times, you know, as entrepreneurs, when and some of us don't even know we're going to be an entrepreneur. But all of a sudden we realize, like, oh, wait, there's this problem that I need to solve or that no one solved or maybe that could really be of service to other people. And it was kind of a moment like that. And at first I just thought, oh, I just need to find better makeup. So, you know, I would just spend my paycheck and try everything out there from the department store brands that are the most expensive to drugstore brands that are the least expensive. I would just try everything. And I realized, okay, either I have to put something on that is so thick that it's like a mask and I I don't look like myself anymore, or it just won't cover, it won't work. And so, you know, at the time, there wasn't all of the ads that you would see out there were, you know, airbrushed, photoshopped models where you didn't even know if they're wearing the product or if it worked or and I just couldn't find anything that would work. And so I kind of had this realization that, you know, there must be so many other people out there like me that maybe they have skin challenges or they're not makeup artists and they're just like, they've given up on it, but they want to feel confident and feel like the, you know, the best version of themselves and, but just nothing will work. And so that was really when the idea, um, was born to create a makeup line and skincare line that wasn't just for people with perfect skin, um, but was for everybody, whether, you know, you want a coverage or not. And, and my idea, Amy, which was, Really crazy, it doesn't sound crazy now, um, <laughs> but just a few years ago, there weren't beauty influencers showing their bare skin there There was nothing like that. All you saw was sort of you know this certain type of of beauty model, and we've yes. seen that for decades, right? And so what was crazy that I didn't know was crazy until every single retailer told me no for years um was that you know, I wanted to show women of all different skin types and challenges and skin tones and ages and, and sizes. And I wanted to create products that, that would really work no matter what. And, and so I thought, okay, this is great. Nobody's doing this. Like it's so needed. And so I thought if I, you know, pour all of my savings into creating the best product ever, like it'll be a home run, right? And and um, so I on my honeymoon flight, my husband and I got married on our honeymoon flight to South Africa. We wrote the business plan, had very little money left in savings um, from our jobs, and I just thought, okay, let's go all in on this. And you know, we quit our jobs, and I I just you know, we poured our money into into making the best formula we could. And we hired a great advisory board. Uh, And I just thought, okay, when you launch it, it's going to (laughs) sell.
0: And uh, (laughs) I think so many of my listeners can really, right. I did the same thing. Like, of course, this is going to be a success. And right. Oh, (laughs) It was
1: so, and I've worked really hard my whole life. Like I've all, you know, I'm that girl that like had four jobs trying to buy my first car, like bagging groceries, Mm. selling popcorn. Like I've always worked really hard. So I wasn't scared of hard work, but like, I think any entrepreneur can relate to this. I had no idea how hard it would be to be an entrepreneur in the sense that when it's your own thing, you can't just like, clock out and then just, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's always, you're responsible for, for everything. And it's obviously such an incredible journey and you get so many freedoms and blessings with it, but it is so, it's, it's such hard work. And so I was learning that really quickly. Um, I learned really quickly that, oh, we were barely alive for three years. The first three years of our business, I couldn't pay myself. And it was super tough. We um, you know, I just thought, okay, I have this this great product because we created, you know, our first product that now is our best sell- one of our best sellers is a concealer. And I thought, okay, it's just gonna sell. Um, And I'll never forget. It was like the first time I sent it to Sephora and Ulta Beauty and QVC, all the department stores, all of them said, no, Um, no, 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 it's not right. It's not the right fit. Um, They would give feedback on our packaging saying it needs to be much higher end. Like women want to buy things that are aspirational, not like inclusive and accessible. And um, unless you want to sell in the drugstores. And I was like, no, no, like, the formula is really good and I want it to be for every, every woman. I don't just want it to, you know, make people feel excluded or like it's unapproachable.
0: Yes. Um,
1: you know, anybody that's part of your community listening now, like one of the things I wish I had known back then was if you're doing something really different, really new, really novel, like, of course all the experts are not going to get it. It's never been done before. It's never proven to sell in their stores or or online before. Um, and that's kind of what happened. It was like, I went through this first few years of just so many no's, like no after no after no after no. And I, um, I thought, okay, we're going to sell, you know, just online fully on like, this is going to be great. And my, my husband, um, did he read the HTML for dummies book? And you know, when you're you're starting out, you got to figure out every job. Yes, You can't afford to hire people yet. And you don't know what you're doing, but you just have to figure it out the best you can. And he developed our first website. And when it went live, I thought this is going to be it. We're going to (laughs) sell like so many, you know what I mean? It's going to be great. And People are going to spread the word. And it went live. And the first day it went live, we had no orders. And the second day, no orders. Did Third you think
0: day, maybe it was broken? Like I did. I told him. Oh, my
1: gosh, Amy, yes." I would be like, something's me? broken here. I said, well, and you know what's funny? When you work with, like, a friend or yes. family who you know really well, I just flat out said, like, you did it wrong. <laughs> like, it's broken. You did it wrong. Anyhow, several days had passed. And it's just one of the you know funniest moments that I look back on now. It wasn't so funny at the time, but I remember when we got our first order and I was like running around the house, which was our apartment, which was our office, which was our living room, running around, like screaming, so excited, like this is happening. <laughs> and we got our first order and then he, he stopped me and he's like, that was me. No was to order to prove to you. It's not broken. <laughs> <Stop> it. <laughs> it was just like. Oh my gosh, I just remember really quickly, you know, the fear of how are we going to stay cash flow positive? How are we going to stay in business? And it was, you know, super scary because we weren't getting traction from anybody. And I think that's one of the hardest things is, you know, when you're an entrepreneur or you're starting a business, whether it's online or or a physical product, it's like one of the things that we so, its so easy to do—is go, okay, who do I want to carry my product? Okay, in my case, it was Sephora, Ulta, QVC, um, department stores, and it's like, okay, you know, they're the experts. They have hundreds of beauty brands, and what's really hard is like when all the experts are saying no, yeah, right. But then, like in your gut, you just know you're supposed to do this. Like you feel like I'm. And every time they would say no, and I mean, there were times, oh my gosh, from QVC, from Sephora, where the no's were, so, I really thought it was going to be a yes, uh, finally, and it would it would be a no. And I mean, I would cry myself to sleep. I'm like, I don't, because when everybody's doubting you, it's easy to let that sort of like equate to self-doubt in your own head. And one of the the hardest struggles, I think, when you're starting out, is really being able to get still and just check in with yourself. For me, faith is a big part of my life and I would just pray about it, right? And I would say like, and like I hear God through my gut, you know, through my gut feelings on stuff and I just would get still and I just kind of like had this certainty I was supposed to keep going even though it didn't make sense and even though every expert was, was saying no, or saying like, it's not going to work. And even though in the beginning we weren't getting any sales online, right? it's like, Oh, how much do I wish online marketing made easy existed? (laughs) And I was able to (laughs) sign up for it. I
0: love that. Right. But I didn't know how to get people to the website. So the beginning years were really tough. Tell me this, when you were getting no's, because you have this like really good story, not so good, but it crushes your soul, but you're standing behind Sephora, you had just gotten an, another no, crying your eyes out. And in those moments when you're being told no, 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 and you're saying, I know you have really strong faith and I love that. And, and some people listening do, some people find that in other ways, but that knowing- do, when you have that knowing, like, I'm supposed to stay the course, I'm supposed to keep moving forward. Do you still second guess yourself? Do you still worry that maybe this won't work? Or does, and I genuinely mean this question, or does that go away? Mm,
1: yeah, there were nights that were so difficult, the Sephora, you know, and, and let, me, let me say this, before that big no from Sephora where i was crying my eyes out in downtown san francisco <laughs> off uh. market street i had been sending them product for a few years and same with qvc and same with ulta and department stores so amy i would get so scrappy and just in case this helps your <laughs> all your entrepreneurs listening but like i would look up once i would get a no from the head buyer or whoever I would look up any person online via LinkedIn or that worked there and I would send them product. Like I didn't care what their job function was. I didn't, so I had been hustling for a long time. Just, I just felt like if, if people really tried this product, they would love it and they would spread the word. And so I would just send samples out after samples and, and just to everyone and, and email everybody that I could find. And so by the time I, got a meeting in Sephora it felt like such a big deal like it was gonna happen and when I got there and went into the the high-rise building and you know it was hard to even afford the airplane ticket to oh. get there and and when the head buyer there at the time who's no longer there and no longer in beauty
0: at all interesting but at the time, <laughs>
1: she was a big deal and and in that world and I just remember she kept looking at my outfit. And I was like, what does my outfit have to, and I almost felt like, um, like, you know, cause I, I was raised in, you know, a family that, you know, I was the first person in my family to go to college and paid for it myself. And just all that, like, I'm not, I wasn't raised around fancy spaces per se. And this was a, Sephora headquarters is beautiful and fancy. And I mean, I wasn't dressed in designer head to toe like a lot of people there were at the time and I just remember I'm like thinking why does she keep looking at my outfit like I'm trying to talk about how this product's going to change women's lives and anyways there was this moment in the meeting where I was just like I felt like everything was on the line in this meeting and if you've ever prepared for like a big meeting and you're just freaking out but trying to believe in yourself no matter what you know, that was kind of where I was at. And I just remember like pouring my heart out in this boardroom. And I was saying like, Oh, cause you know, at that point we were getting a few orders a day <laughs> on our website, <laughs> and at that point, women were starting to post their own before and afters online. And I was like, this is great. And that's how we were staying alive as a business was just like a couple orders a day. And I, you know, said to her, like, women are loving this product and they're spreading the word. Like, have you seen some of the sites online where people are, you know, giving their own, you know, posting their own pictures? And and I was like, I think your customers will love this at Sephora. And I remember she stopped me and she said, if women were talking about this product, I'd be hearing about it. And I'm not. Whoa. And I just looked at her and I was like, OK, OK. And I was like, <laughs> oh, but they are. And it, it's like, what do you do? Right. <laughs> right. It, you, you know, you can't. And I just remember it was a no, and and that's when I, I remember leaving the boardroom trying to pack up, and I was in that elevator going down. I don't know how many flights it was, a lot of flights, but the elevator was full. And uh. I didn't know if it was all Sephora employees, and I had always dreamed of being in Sephora, so it was like... I remember like the tears were like welling behind my eyes and I was trying mm. not to cry because I was like, I need to keep it together. I'm going to be in the store one day, you know, and I, I was just holding back and I like got to the lobby and I remember when the doors opened and I like ran, walked as like, fast as I can in these heels out the door, um, which now I wear tennis shoes to meetings.
0: <laughs> <was> <laughs> but like, Rachel Hollis would be so <laughs> proud.
1: <laughs> yes. I like, ran, walked out to market street around the corner and just like put my, I just went right up against this brick, like cement, like side of the building and just like sobbed. And I remember oh. having to call, um, Paulo and let my husband and say like, it, it was a no. And, but there's, there's a lot of stories like that. And you know, what I love, what I hope, what I hope gives hope is that, there's this, this theme that I went through for a number of years that I didn't understand at the time, but it was like all of these no's, you know, it took a lot of years and it took a lot of, you know, hustle and, and grit and belief, but I eventually turned them all into yeses. And some of them were really crazy how it happened. Like I remember with QVC and like, here's the thing I had you know, because all I was seeing around me all growing up at this time was just these photoshopped airbrushed kind of fake images. Right. I was like, you know what? Like, QVC which is you know a television channel that's broadcast live to 100 million homes I'm like because it's live if I could ever get on QVC I could prove live how this product works and show it and like really take my makeup off and reapply it and show it live and that had never been done before it was always you know traditionally QVC had sold um, makeup by amazing makeup artists, um, uh, many of whom are my friends, um, or that or they would sell just aspirational kind of like after images, uh, yep. but I never saw you know women that looked like me that had rosacea or that were you know different skin challenges or ages or whatever skin tones. So you know I dreamed of that, and I thought this is going to be perfect for QVC and. I'll never forget, Amy, it was like a couple years into sending my products to everyone I could possibly find at QVC and always getting a no, I finally got a phone call with the head guy of QVC. And he, um, his name's Alan Burke. He was responsible for, um, he was given credit and, and rightfully so for like transforming all of beauty on television because like, I don't know if you remember, but in the old days, when people thought like, oh, if you sell a product on TV, it's kind of cheesy. It's like, buy now. And it's like, you know, and he transformed uh, all of QVC Beauty by making it much more, he got all the department store brands to come onto QVC. And he just made it really the best place to shop for beauty. And to get him on a call was like such a big deal. And I had been emailing forever. His assistant finally got me a call with him. And I thought, I remember like, I thought this was going to happen. Like, this was like my big break. I knew it. I felt it. I was praying like crazy. And I remember when he called and, and, and he was like, hello, this is Alan Burke from QVC. And I was like, trying to keep it together. Right. I'm like, hi, Alan, it's Jamie Kern Lima. How are you? Like, <laughs> like just trying to be confident. Meanwhile, like I, uh, you know, I'm down to like almost no money and then <laughs> not knowing what I'm going to do. And I just thought for sure, this is it. And I'll never forget, he got to the point super fast and he said, you know, I've reviewed your products with our buyers and we've collectively decided you're not the right fit for oh, QVC. Oh, come
0: on.
1: And I was like, oh, but but I am the right, like, like let me tell you. And I just tried to pour my heart out to him and he thanked me for loving QVC and all that. And I'll never forget, like I hung up the phone and I literally crawled in bed. And it was like, I. it was one of those moments where, I just, I felt it so strong in my gut and I didn't understand after, you know, years of trying to get it, why this was happening. And I just, I was like, God, am I wrong? Like, am I like, what is this? And I just like, have you ever had um, bad news and you wake up the next
0: morning, you're hoping it's a dream and you're like, oh, yes. And you have to live it all over again.
1: Yes. That happened for three days in a row with this because it just felt like, um, the end of the world. And I just want to share that and not to like get way ahead or anything, but it's like, when you look at, and that was just maybe seven years ago that all happened. And when you look at today, it's like, Not only are we the largest beauty brand um, in QVC history, but to follow up on this one thing that I just really want, you know, everyone in your community to, I love full circle moments. And even though sometimes we go through heartache and pain and rejection and underestimation, what ended up happening was after we launched on QVC, Alan Burke, the head of everything, became a mentor of mine. Like, Yep. He became a huge champion of our brand. He is so smart and to get his guidance through our growth was the biggest gift. And then here's the wildest thing, Amy, is when um, he retired from QVC and after he retired, we hired him on our advisory board at cosmetics because he just is like one of my dearest friends and mentors. And I, I just there is this moment where I realized, oh, my gosh, the guy who rejected me is now no, like, no. working for me.
0: Like how crazy. So crazy
1: position on our. So it's like all things are possible. And (laughs) it's like, oh, my gosh, if I had known um, how hard it would be. And just that when you're doing something that's different or or that's new, not everyone's going to get it. And even the experts who you put on a pedestal aren't necessarily going to get it. Your friends and family maybe will definitely aren't always going to get it. Um, and you know, it, it doesn't just, it, cause I think people see like when they just read what happened with my business, they don't think, Oh, this stuff, this is how the journey was. You yeah. Know what I mean? They
0: never do. And I have a yeah. question for you about the whole QVC thing. Cause you yeah. tell a great story and I want you to share it here about your idea of featuring different women and they weren't down for that. And so I want you to tell that story and how do you listen to your gut when literally leaders in the industry are telling you this is wrong. Like, yeah. how, talk to me about that. Well,
1: yeah, it was probably like one of the hardest, most defining moments in my whole, my whole career so far was that decision of sticking with your own authenticity versus, and, and especially when everything's on the line. And I think like, Nowadays, it, with everything online and with social media, it's so easy to get distracted by what other people are doing or what looks like it's selling well or converting well, and 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 that's all good. It's good to know that stuff, but the temptation of of diluting your own authenticity to do that to me is the worst thing an entrepreneur can ever do, uh, because you can't you know you can't fake. I mean, what I know now, it's easy to say this now. And that's the thing, Amy, is I've now seen thousands of founders, brand founders, company founders go on air on QVC. And the ones who are the same on air as they are in the green room, yeah. for better or worse, <laughs> they're the ones that last because customers are smart. You can't fake authenticity, right? And you know, you see like all the research out there about this. There's there's thought leaders like Brene Brown talking about it that when like you don't show up as your hundred percent authentic self. You know, you can't, it's impossible to have an authentic connection with another person, which includes customers. And I think once people realize that it's, it's the source of freedom, because even though so-and-so might be doing this online or that online or copied your product or copied your idea, at the end of the day, I've learned it doesn't matter because nobody out there can be you and it does not serve you to be like anybody else. You know what I mean? It just yes. doesn't. And it's like, there's a freedom in knowing that. But before I had learned that, <laughs> uh, how I learned that was in the launch on QVC. One of the scariest, stick <sighs> to my stomach, crying for days, freaking out moments, um, that was also, also became a defining moment in my life, a defining moment that changed the course of the future of it cosmetics um, and the beauty industry. And it all came down to this one chance, like this one shot in this 10-minute window. And basically, long story short, after years of sending the product in and getting all the no's and And hearing no from my amazing friend, Alan, (laughs) like hearing no from everybody, Um, which, by the way, let me just say one thing. Had he said yes at the time, I didn't know what I didn't know. We were not operationally sophisticated enough to handle uh, the back end demand of a business like QVC. So it's like
0: what a silver lining.
1: Yes. Yes. Now that I know what I know, oh, that no is a blessing. We would have gone out of business. We could not have handled the manufacturing piece at that time, but I didn't know it. All I knew was I was crying my eyes out for three days. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) But so anyhow, after years of the nose, you know, we finally got a yes uh, to get one shot on QVC uh, and have a 10 minute segment, a live 10 minute segment. Okay. And that seems like, okay, cool. But the reality, the business side of it, the entrepreneurial side of it was that, you know, we were only selling three, I mean, two, three orders a day on our website. And to hit the sales goal of QVC for that 10 minute window, we had to manufacture and uh, package and repackage in their packaging uh, 6,000 units of our concealer to sell in 10 minutes. So, (laughs) and had we not been getting those from everyone for years, we wouldn't have taken that risk because we had to borrow money to do it. And had it not worked in that 10 minute window, you know, if it didn't work, we would go out of business. And it was so scary, but it almost felt like I had exhausted every option. And we were finally getting one shot and we decided to take that risk. And what it meant was we had this this 10 minute window where you go live. And the thing that's scary is it's consignment. Um, beauty is consignment on QVC. So you pay for all of the product, and then you don't get paid until after it sells, and you only get paid for what sells. Jeez, so, pressure. Pressure. So if you go on air, and let's just say half of it sells, you have to take back the other half. You miss their sales goal, so you're not going on air again. And you most likely didn't make enough money to cover the cost of everything, so it's it's very scary. And but anyhow, it, it really was all down to this one moment. And after years of all the no's, we decided to say you know say yes and 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 take this opportunity. Um, so you know, we borrowed money, we manufactured six thousand units of our concealer, and did all the all the stuff, all those expenses that add up, the third-party clinical testing, all the things you have to do because QVC is like the strictest retailer in terms of safety that I've ever worked with. Which now I know is a blessing. At the time, I was like, "How do I navigate this?" And <laughs> you know what
0: I mean? Yeah. Um,
1: so we did all that, and then here was here was what happened with with the kind of the defining moment and one of the greatest entrepreneurial lessons I've ever learned. Um, we started meeting with these outside consultants. So they're third-party consultants and uh, they're not employees of QVC, but what they do is they have businesses where they help you have success selling on television and they help so many people and they're so good at what they do. And we met with them a few different ones and they all said the same thing, which is okay. If you want to have any shot at doing well and hitting that sales goal, Here's the formula you need to do for your on you know your your presentation which included you know this certain type of model which was almost all early 20s with perfect flawless no skin issue skin and no diversity and I'm like okay and they're saying this because traditionally that had been what worked got it and I said to them okay but here's the thing is like I created this product to work on people that have real skin issues and all ages and all, you know, so it's like in skin tones and it's like, if I'm, and I would argue with them. I'm like, if I'm sitting at home and I'm 70 years old watching this, or I'm, you know, 14 years old or whatever it is, battling acne or this, or that. how do I know this product's going to work for me if I don't see somebody who looks like me and it just didn't make sense in my gut. And, you know, we, and here's the thing, like they thought I was crazy. I'm like, I want to show my bare face, my bright red rosacea and like prove live how the product works. And they thought I was insane. And you know, they want, I mean, they wanted us to win. They, they were giving me the best advice they knew how, which is here's what's always worked. And here's what we recommend. And here's the thing is like, I didn't have the luxury of trying it both ways. You know what I mean? I knew I had one shot and it was like everything was on the line, meaning it would have been the end of it. Cosmetics had it not gone well and it was so tough. And I went and I sat in a parking lot in the QVC parking lot because QVC is uh, 30 minutes West of Philadelphia. So I flew cross country, sat in this rental car um, the cheapest economy rental no. car I could find, which was a blessing to have a rental car. But I sat in that car uh, for, I, I flew out a week early and I drove to their parking lot every day. Somehow it made sense at the time to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: and,
1: and I just sat there. I, I just watched people walk in and out of the front door of it's a huge campus there. And uh, I just prayed and cried and tried to, Envision everything going well, like the way an Olympic athlete does with their performance. And I remember channeling Oprah. I was like, okay, I remember the time Oprah said <laughs> she wanted the color purple so bad that she ran around the track singing I surrender all. Oh crying, yeah, yeah. Right. And asked God to take it from her. No joke, Amy. I sat in that car crying singing I surrender all and okay, God to take it. So good. It. it felt so heavy on my shoulders where I was like, oh my gosh, like. Like, I wasn't nervous for the TV part, but, like, everything was on the line. And what it came down to, and, you know, Amy, I know with your business, you have the blessing of, like, seeing your customers live all the time, you know, and and talking with them and interacting with them. And at that point, I sat there, and I remember thinking, who is this woman that's going to be watching? And I would imagine different women from all over the country, and I would imagine, All the women in my family, like every woman I know, so many women have forgotten that they are beautiful. They've forgotten that they matter. They haven't seen images that look like them that are called beautiful. And I just had this big moment come over me where I just felt in every ounce of my being like I would rather take my shot and try to shift culture in the beauty industry to one that is inclusive, one that isn't this unattainable aspiration that just makes you feel bad. I'm like, I would rather have a single mom folding her clothes in Nebraska, look up at that television and, and feel beautiful. Even if she doesn't buy anything, it wasn't even that it was like, I want her to look up and see me calling all of these women models, aspirational models that look like her, that look like me. I would rather do that than you know, do what everyone else had done and maybe sell a ton of product, but stand for nothing because my why was bigger than the money or then being a successful entrepreneur. It was like, oh no, I, I started this business because no one was talking to women like me or creating products that actually solved our issues. And so it's like, for me, it all came down, and it's easy to go, "Oh yeah, I believe in my mission, but when your whole company's on the line, yeah. it's, and the experts are telling you, it's like, that's when it's real." And we, I, I walked in the building um, for our 10-minute our window, and I remember, and here's the scary thing, Amy, is when you're 10 minutes, when you go live, if you're not doing well. They will cut your time live in the middle of your Jeez. segment. Oh, yeah, because every minute of airtime matters. And you're not just competing with beauty. Like, you have to hit, you know, and, and I understand it's a business, and it is a blessing because they move so much product. And But it's like you're, you're competing with everybody that could sell in that minute of airtime. So Dyson Vacuum, Apple iPhone. Like, you have to sell and hit sales goals, which... Which I understand, but it just makes it scary because you know you, you don't want to be live and your minutes are you start at ten minutes. All of a sudden at nine minutes, if it's not doing well, your clock jumps to two minutes, and you're like freaking out. And you're right. you're supposed to have fun on air. You're not supposed to sell, but you're like you know I don't want to swear on your on on this podcast. <laughs> but like that's what you're really thinking, right? right. Like, I mean it's <laughs> it's hard. So so anyhow, I walked into the the building and. I met with the host and, and she was amazing. And I remember that I was freaking out. I was shaking like a leaf. I had this whole demonstration planned on my wrist where I bend it back and forth to show like how the other concealers and department stores crease and crack, but ours doesn't. And I had this whole thing planned. And when the clock went live at the 10 minute mark, and all of a sudden it's like 959, 958, And I just, my whole body was like a heartbeat, like beating, like freaking out. And I was trying to do this demonstration that I'd practiced in my bathroom mirror a million times. And my hand was shaking so bad that the host grabbed it and pushed it under the podium. And she's like, thank you, sugar. (laughs) And then she like took over. And then I remember my bright red rosacea, my whole bare face came up on national television. And I booked models of all different, you know, skin tones, ages, like, skin challenges and I remember it was like the nine minute mark and the host says the deep shade is sold out the medium shade is sold out and I'm like oh like <sighs> I'm like swearing in my head and like right and, and I kept going and then at the 10 minute mark the, the sold out sign came up and I just started crying and I remember my my and then I remember they cut. I started crying tears streaming down my face I did not wear waterproof mascara I don't know what I was thinking <laughs> I had these black tears coming down my face and I, um, for my mascara. And then I remember my husband came running from the green room into the studio and he's like, we're not going bankrupt. And <laughs> I'm like, you know, like real women have spoken. And, uh, <laughs> and that one airing, um, turned into five that year, 101 the next year. And then we, we did two, we do 250, um, live shows a year on Jeez. QVC now. So
0: and the biggest have- beauty brand
1: on QVC. Yeah. And their history. And, um, I just, why that matters is because anyone out there listening who, you know, is trying to do something different and just like, isn't getting the yeses or the excitement or the, you know, reception they're hoping for. It's like, you know, Had I ever changed and, you know, I remember when all the retailers were telling me to change my packaging, like it wasn't, you know, uh, prestige or high end enough or, you know, change our models because they thought you can't use real women and still charge a high price point. And I'm like, I just I look back on all of that and it's like, had I listened, had I changed who I was and what our why was for any of those retailers or experts? I would have never created a business that has changed so many people's lives and, and, and I hope played a part in really shifting culture in, in the beauty industry. And, and Amy, it's like today, all of the retailers and department stores who said, you can't use, you know, these types of model, now they're all using
0: Isn't it beautiful? every type
1: of woman. Yes. 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 And it's like, ah, oh. but it's like, of course that makes sense in our gut. Why wouldn't you do that? Right. Right. So it's like, okay. So, and to me, there's millions of opportunities for entrepreneurs and for people with creative ideas and, and they know why wouldn't, why wouldn't someone do this? This makes sense. And, and it's not always easy when you have a novel idea, but it's the only way to ever truly shift culture or, or build incredible businesses that, that truly matter or make a difference in people's lives yes
0: it's so true and here's the deal i have some questions for you but before we get there i even though i said it in the intro tell people kind of so what happened so you started to see all the success qvc was a smashing success talk to yeah. people about where you took the business that shift that happened with L'Oreal and yes. now where you are today just tell me that quickly because I have some questions for you before we wrap up but I want yeah. them to hear kind of where you took it
1: so we um yeah we 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 built I mean so so here's the real raw um truth is that the headlines are great, and, and we turned every no into a yes. Um, I also worked 100-hour weeks for 10 years and yes. got very burnt out. I pray every day I didn't do serious damage to my health. I The biggest mistake I made was that I didn't, at the time, know how to do what I was doing and still be a good owner of a body (laughs) and a good owner of a mind. And the only thing I feel like I did well for a decade was build an incredible business and love our customers. And by the way, a lot of people do that. And I have a lot of family members that have worked so hard their entire life, but they didn't have a great outcome. Do you know what I mean? And so it's like, so important to protect your health, mental and physical health, your peace, your family, your marriage. Like that's the kind of thing that I sacrificed during this 10-year window of working 100-hour weeks and my husband did as well. I mean, we were all of us were just so all in. With that said, QVC I was doing 250 live shows a year myself um, for 8 years and and I eventually trained three other women. They they spent 3 years with me going to shows and they now do they, they now carry the weight of the QVC business. One of them took over, you know, most of the shows, but But having said that, it was 100-hour weeks. I was living basically in the QVC green room and staying over 100 nights a year at the Sheraton Hotel there right by QVC and trying to build the business at the same time and fly out to retailer meetings and Ulta meetings. And so we got a yes from Ulta uh, and we grew actually to be their number one brand in their store, Um, which is crazy because, again, it was three years, four years, four years of no's. We got a yes from Sephora, and uh, the team that you know the the one woman who <laughs> she wasn 't there she left the beauty industry, but the team that is there is like so incredible and it 's like, oh my gosh, sometimes I feel like God moves people out of the way and and into the into our path just at the right times and it was like okay um, the the team there is amazing and and uh, got into department stores and we grew to be the second largest luxury makeup company in the country. Uh,
0: which <laughs> Out is of your apartment.
1: Yeah, and, and hired over a thousand employees across the country and um, uh, full-time, part-time, a lot of f- freelance team and education and just kind of built this, this thing that, you know, touches millions of, of women and men's lives every day. And I loved our mission. And that's really like, like what kept me going. What was really hard when we started expanding internationally, I was like, oh, wow, every country is so different with their HR laws or their regulatory compliance laws or, and it became so difficult to scale quickly um, in a product, a physical product-based business where you need people on the ground as well to educate. And as we were growing and trying to navigate that that international growth, we were kind of at this moment in time where I was also super burnt out. And I was like, okay, well, we could go public because we had a lot of them, you know, investors and bankers coming to us saying like, you know, do you want to go public with it, cosmetics? And the thing about going public is like, it's super sexy to ring the bell and all that on wall street. And, and, but, you know, I talked to a lot of public company CEOs and they all had said to me, you know, if you don't have to do it, don't do it because, your life actually gets way more stressful. Like you're now dealing with quarterly earnings calls and people trying to, you know, short your like everything, right? And just the stress of being a public company CEO. So it's like, okay, I don't know that we want to do that because I really couldn't take on any more. And then the other option we had was, well, what if we partner with like a large beauty company like L'Oreal who's already in, you know, over a hundred countries can get our, you know, with, with people on the ground who understand, the culture and the local sensitivities and the regulatory issues, all that. You know, if we did that, then our message, which is why we did this to begin with, our whole message um, and the impact we wanted to have, not just on women, but especially on women, but women and men everywhere could scale so much faster if we partnered with L'Oreal. And I remember the first time we met with L'Oreal and I thought, oh, they're going to buy our company. <laughs> and then that didn't happen. Um, and it was, it was actually three years of meeting with them. And eventually, and they had said no, we were interested and they had said no a couple times as well. And in the early years, they actually also advised that we change some of our packaging and things like that, because it was just so different than what was everyone else was doing and but we stuck to our guns and and um and 3 years into meetings with them they decided they wanted to buy 100% of our company and by that point um it was just kind of this moment in time where all of a sudden we went from not really anybody interested in acquiring us to this moment happened in the marketplace where we were just getting inundated with different companies wanting to, were interested in acquiring us. And so all of a sudden we had this competitive tension, which drove the price way up, which was like such a blessing and just, just wow. wild, right? Because yes. it was like we were 10, you know, let me see, no, eight, eight years, nine years into our business. And I was like, okay, the first three... I couldn't pay myself. We got down to under a thousand dollars in our, our company bank account, and all of a sudden, you know, six years later, there's this bidding war happening, and it's like, oh my gosh! And I just couldn't couldn't believe. I don't know Amy if I've still processed what happened, but here's what <laughs> happened: <laughs> um, <laughs> L'Oreal um, uh, acquired 100 percent of our business, and they, because they're a public company, they released you know the purchase price and all that, and it was their largest U.S. acquisition in L'Oreal history. So they paid $1.2 billion cash for the business. Um, They made me their first female CEO to ever hold a CEO title in their 100-plus year history. And Jamie, Jamie,
0: $1.2 billion from an idea that you sketched out on an airplane coming back from your honeymoon with your husband. Yeah,
1: and an idea that everyone said sucked for then three years after. Okay,
0: do you guys hear that? Okay, that's the point of the story that gives me chills. She just said, for an idea that everybody said sucked for three years and told me, no, 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 you should do it like this, you should do it like that, not like this. And she knew there was a knowing in her. It didn't mean that the nose didn't hurt. It didn't mean that she probably started second guessing once in a while here or there while you're laying in bed not wanting to get out. And so all those emotions still happened, but you still had the knowing and you stuck with it. And so that's why one question I wanted to ask you about all of this is that what do you think really helped you move the needle forward in your business throughout from the beginning on the plane to where you were bought by L'Oreal that you thought, what were some of the things that you... You just knew move the needle or kept you in the game so that you could see that success.
1: I think the word knowing I've never, you know, what's funny, Amy, I don't think I've ever had a conversation about this, but Mm. that word knowing, I think if I really to come down to it, trusting that knowing. And, you know, I mentioned earlier for me, that comes from my faith for other people. It could come from the universe, their own intuition to me. Everybody has this knowing, every person. And sometimes when we think we have a knowing and then we're wrong, I believe when that happens, it's just that it's like a lesson the universe needs us to learn that we haven't learned yet and we're still we still had the right knowing because we needed to go through it. Yes. But anyhow, I, I feel that that knowing and just Always going back to that. Now, listen, there's practical, non sexy things like okay, we did everything possible to stay cash flow positive. And what I mean by that is in a world where everyone has things looking amazing on Instagram and like everything's so successful and their events are so beautiful. We took the scrappy route. I mean, I, I didn't do anything glamorous or sexy or Instagrammable for many years because our number one priority was we have to stay cash flow positive and, and stay alive. So we stayed narrowly focused on our why, even when it wasn't cool, even when we risked short term uh, missing out on a promotion, missing out on a short term spike in sales. We stayed focused on, on our why and what we ended up building was customer trust because our customers knew, oh, when it launches a product, it's going to work. It's not just a trend. It's going to, you know what I mean? And, yes. and that trust built. And I think keeping that long-term focus on on the, the, the brand equity you have and not getting distracted by what anyone else is doing or whatever's trending, whatever's hot. And 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 again, sometimes it's great data to know that stuff for sure. And then if you can do it in a way that's authentic to you, then go for it. The last thing I'll say just comes down to the knowing, and I think I think that's a big struggle and especially for women because women We're raised almost to not trust ourselves or to not do things unless they're perfect or to not, you know, to second guess our knowing or to need other other people's opinions or approval or women second guess ourselves all the time. But like we all women and men all have this knowing deep down inside. And and I just I think it's a challenge for everyone, but especially women that a lot of times we like don't feel enough or we don't feel qualified to be a business expert or to launch our own business or, or anything else. And I think if you have a calling on your heart, if you've, if deep down inside, you have a knowing that you're supposed to do something. And, and by the way, maybe your calling isn't your business. Maybe it's, you're going to, you know, break a generational cycle in your family of complacency or addiction, or maybe it's, you're going to change how you parent and you're going to, you're going to change the course of generations for to come, it could be anything. But when you have a knowing deep down inside, like I believe that that that's your your calling, and. There's really famous words that I like to think about a lot um, that says this, and especially if you are somebody that struggles like, with feeling qualified a lot of times, these words help me whenever I, I start doubting myself or start feeling like I'm not qualified for something, which I felt a million times in this journey, by the way, of building at Cosmetics, but famous words that say, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Mm. And I just think if you really know deep down inside you're supposed to do something, I think that's a calling. And I think that you're born then with everything you need to do it. Like it's all in you already. And I think one of our greatest journeys in life is like figuring out how to learn to believe that for ourselves.
0: Yes, it's so, you put it so beautifully. And I love that we've touched on this idea of knowing even though that wasn't really the plan, but it's so perfect. And some people listening, they might be saying, but I don't have that knowing. And I believe that if you get quiet enough and you really allow yourself to explore that, that you will find that thing that you are called to do. And so I just wanna put that out there. I know you're focused on marketing and selling your digital products, but I know many of you also have all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash made easy now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash made easy. Jamie, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show. You know, I was such a fan. I love you so very much. I love our new friendship and the fact that we get to text each other and check in with each other. And you have been so supportive of me and my business. So I just want to tell you, I appreciate you very, very much. And I really appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Oh, Amy, thank you so much. I am so grateful for our friendship too, and grateful to you. Um, Hopefully, like be of service in some way with your community today. It's just, it's an honor and uh, my greatest joy. It tells me I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be because this is just so fulfilling for me also. And, and I hope of service and, and thank you for your friendship and for having me on and for. Oh my gosh.
0: I love it. Where can people find you online? You know, for me, Instagram. Yes. You're Uh, so good at Instagram.
1: Oh, I'm 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 just starting because for so long we you know we have teams for it cosmetics that do all of our channels and our website and for me personally I'm I'm personally on my own. Um, Instagram, which is Jamie Kern Lima. So that's the place where I'm at. And if anyone has questions or wants to share stories or any of
0: any of that stuff. So thank you so much. Perfect. Go check her out for sure. You guys, you're going to love every minute of the inspiration and motivation and really just support that she gives on Instagram. So go follow her right now. And thanks again, Jamie. I can't wait to connect with you again soon. Thank you, Amy. Bye for now. Bye. So there you have it. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you're feeling totally inspired by Jamie and her story of persistence and continued faith in her business and in herself. Keep that in mind as you move forward in whatever actions you need to take in your business this week. And also, before you go, have you left me a review or a hopefully five-star rating? If not, I'd be so grateful if you just take a moment right now and give me a rating if you loved this episode or if you love this podcast. All right, guys. Thanks so much. I'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye for now.